This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. We have been coming out of the book of Ezra, chapter 7, looking at Ezra, looking what God has said, and you don't necessarily have to go there. I really want you to go to Romans 6, because that's where we were We will be headed, and that's the only scripture that we're going to go to, so you can rest there. But in the book of Ezra, we see where God dealt with Nehemiah about rebuilding the city and the walls of Jerusalem that had been torn down, and he began to deal with Ezra about the worship and the temple. And Ezra was a ready scribe, and he was ready because he prepared his heart for it. And that's what God is dealing with us about in this time, in this, in this dispensation, this juncture in our lives. He said, I'm dealing with your heart. And he said, if you have to have a prepared heart. If I'm going to use you, you have to have a prepared heart. So he said, okay, so it's incumbent on me if I want you to have a prepared heart. I'm going to show you how to get it ready so that when it's time for me to use you, you're already ready. You cannot get ready when he's went about to use you. You got to be ready when it's time to use you. This is the time now to be ready. So when he calls upon you, and I'm telling you, some of you, he's, gonna, he's, speak, he's already speaking through you through this fast. And what he's called this ministry to do, you're going to be able to see 2020 vision of it. And because of that, you need to make sure that your heart is prepared. You make sure that you examine your heart. I told you before and I'll tell you again, this is not a message for you to look to any, what's going on with anyone else. Just look at yourself. It's a self-examination message. And God is telling us, I'm dealing with no... Actually, God is dealing with just you. You and him and what's going on on the inside. That's all. What nobody else knows. Nobody but you and him. And he's addressing you right where you are. He's addressing us as a whole, as a ministry. And he's addressing us individually in just personal things that just you and him know. So he's not talking about the surface stuff. He's talking about those things that are deep. Those things that are down in, that's embedded in there that must be removed. Amen. We said the preparation is the unseen work that produces seen results. So it's going to be work that nobody else sees uh, getting done. You're going to, it's just going to be seen by the results and be like, when did that happen? Oh, when did they change? When, you know, I hadn't seen them do anything special because it's going to be unseen work. Purpose in your heart. This is going to be some private time that you're going to be with God and God is going to help you work through some unseen situations in your heart. We said that, which God is challenging our heart condition. He's showing us. He, and let me tell you, He's not missing not a one of us. If you're in here, God is dealing with your heart. He's dealing with you fully. It's no, no one is exempt. Don't think you're exempt. Don't think you're all right. Because let me tell you, if he, if you're in here and he's corrected, it's because it's something somewhere in your heart that you and him only know about. And he said, no, nope, I want all, of, this is the way I want you to get it out. And so he's given us the steps. And then I told you that we need to focus on the work. We gotta focus on the work that God has called us to. And we cannot focus if our heart is not right. Then we look, went on and, uh, since our, uh, couple of teachings, we learned how to restore our hearts. And we said we must repair, rebuild our hearts. And all the hurt 
things that are in our hearts. And it takes time to do that. And so God is teaching us. It's some, un, it's some unchecked things that are going on in your heart. And God is wanting to check them right now. Then we said, you know, you have to, to prepare your heart. You, uh, it has to be healed. You have to have a, your heart has to be healed. A lot of hurts and a lot of things have gone on in your heart. And so if there's healing that has to take place. You need to allow that healing to take place. Don't cover it up, but allow it. And then we said our hearts have to be cleaned or cleansed. And because we, it has to be clean, allow God to do that. There's many of us, all we put in our hearts for years is junk and garbage. And God is saying, it's time for you to clean that all out so that I can use you. In the next move, I, he needs everybody on point. Not a few of us in here on point. Not three or four. Not ten of us. He needs everybody in this ministry on point. Everybody in here with their heart cleansed and ready to do the work. Understood? Then we said you have to guard your heart. Guard what you see. Guard what you hear. Guard what you, guard where your feet take you. You gotta guard those things. Don't let any and everything come inside of your heart and take a resting place in there. That's garbage. And again, I told you in time past and I'll tell you now, you know how to get up and walk away from garbage. You have to do that. Don't sit and let it get down in your heart. Amen? And then we said, when correction comes, it's because you were wrong. And if we get that, that should, I'm telling you, that is the word of the day for Church of the Living Water. When correction comes, it's because I'm wrong. And whether I thought I was right all the time, if I am being corrected in that area, it's because I was wrong. And so and once you can get that, every time correction comes, you'll be rejoicing. And we found out the Holy Spirit, that's one of His ways that He's going to show you His love. He's going to lead and guide you. It's through correction. And correction shows you that God loves you. I love it. See, most of the time, because you, you lack understanding of it, when people are being corrected, they get offended instead of being rejoicing because it's letting you know God loves me. Because let me tell you, if He didn't love you, didn't care nothing about you, if I didn't love you, didn't care about I wouldn't say anything. Just let you just live that foolishness to end. But God would not allow that. No. You be thankful every time you're being corrected. That's for immature people to get offended when they're being corrected. Now you should have grown from that. Well, he's like, nope, I'm not offended. I am thank God that I have an opportunity to correct it. Because if God is correcting you, that means you have an opportunity to uh, make a change and be corrected. Amen? And then I, we said it was three ways that God is going to, uh, uh, cor that correction comes. We said it comes through the Word, by the Holy Spirit, and through authority. And so we must, and, and we said when it comes to the Word, you have to allow God's Word to remain in your heart. Make it stay there. Let it stay there. You'll never bear fruit until it remains there. It takes time for fruit to grow. So if you get it taken out before it takes root, because let me tell you, every seed that goes in, it has to germinate. It has to go in, it has to die, and it has to germinate and come up. Well, if you get it taken out before it germinates, there will be no fruit. So you got to make sure it remains there. That means when I get a seed, I'm not trying to argue with nobody. I'm not going to be pulled into it. That's a trap. And, and, and let me tell you, 
And then the enemy's going to always set that one because he said, you're inclined to go that way. So let me send the arguments your way because you're inclined to go that And that's where the trap is. And as soon as you step into it, that seed is gone. You have to learn and recognize God is showing you now that's where the trap is. Where you're inclined to go. So the enemy will use whoever they he wants to get you to go down that same road that you're inclined to go down to, and then the trap is going to be sprung on you. And then that, that word that God gave you, that treasure that God gave you, is now gone. Now you can repeat it, but notice you can't live it. Because you, if the seed is gone. I mean, repeating this is one thing. That's called a dove. You just It's a shell. It's not the real thing. The real thing is when you can act on it. I've kept it in long enough. I'm going to walk in this. I'm not letting anybody rob me of this. When I see it coming, when I, I mean, when an argument comes or something comes to pull me in, I catch myself and say, nope, I won't go there. I'm keeping this seed. I'm keeping it in long enough to produce fruit. Amen? And then we said you have to allow authority to change my heart. And that I'm telling you, authority is there to protect you. It's never there to hurt you. Whenever God sets authority in your life, it's there to protect you. Whether you like it or not. That's why you don't, you don't try to join a church based on what you like or not. God's like, I'm putting you under authority. Most, most Christians don't even see it, don't know it, don't understand it, don't know it. That's why they jump from church to church. That's why when they get offended, they run. They do that because they're immature and they don't understand God's way. And God's like, I'll place you in the body as I see fit. You can't jump and go anywhere you want to. And sometimes God said, no, I'll put you there because you need to learn how to be still. But we get offended and run. And God said, nope, that's what I'm trying to get out of you. Amen? And then we went over to Romans chapter 6 and we start uh, talking about it. You all should be there. Uh, we said that um, God, oh, God is going to teach us how to have a heart to obey. And that obey, we went through that. Oh my God. Everybody's afraid about that obey, you know. And, but I'm gonna tell you, you're not gonna have your heart restored until you learn to obey. You need to learn to obey authority. You need to learn to obey so much more. And we talked about that. And those are the things. Obedience is what God uses to prepare us. He gives you an opportunity to obey. Every time God gives you an opportunity. You know, the Bible says don't make a vow that you're not going to keep. Because God is going to hold you to it. But when you obey, when God tells you a certain... Let me tell you, nothing in here that God is talking about is a suggestion. God has no suggestions. It is a commandment. Once He has said it and you are set in it, then stay right there. Don't let nothing move you from it. Are you with me? And so we talked about obedience and obeying, how hard it is. And then we said that obey means to listen with a heart to conform and submit. To listen with a heart to. Because see, you can, you can, you can conform and submit and have an attitude. No, no, no. We need to conform and submit. You, know, you have to have a heart to do it. Whether you like it or not, it's not about what you like. It's what God says. We said obedience means that. We said if my heart is not right, my conformity and my submission is temporary. 
you won't, you, it won't last. You just do it for a little while. You'll do it for, you know, as long as eye service is looking at you and those things, but it won't last. It'll always be temporary. And then we said that you have to have a heart to obey. We, in order to have a heart to obey, we must desire righteousness. You have to desire to be right with God. You have to say, Father, my desire is I must be right with you. That's a desire that I have. I want not just I know I gotta be right with God. You know, I'm just you know it's just a struggle, but I'm pressing to I'm pressing to have the no. You have to have a desire, like you have a desire for dainties. You have a desire, like you desire something you like to do. Then you have to learn to desire to have right. I desire to please God. That's what'll keep you on the right track. When you're trying to get off and then you think about where you are and say, No, I desire to I desire to please God. That's where righteousness is going to going to be. And again, we're not talking about that relative righteousness got to be you either righteous or you're not you're not going to be all around it well I'm almost there I'm almost there God's not through with me yet and we told you God said yeah I'm about through with you I'm through with you I can't I'm through with you because you won't even try see we need to at least try we, you, you're just going to do your own thing no 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 God said no I'm really through with you you won't even try you have to try. You know, you're not even trying to be right. You're just doing you. I'm doing me. No. Listen, when we are wrong, we are wrong. And you know what? We know when we're wrong. That's the thing. We know when we are wrong. And you know what? A lot of times when we're wrong, oftentimes we decide how long we're going to stay being wrong. Like, mm, you know, uh, yeah. What day is it? You know, you'll be like, yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we plan out how we're going to do it. I mean, you're mad, you're, especially you married people. You, you're mad at your spouse or something and you, nah, I, ain't, I ain't got nothing to say. And then you, you think about it, oh, I think we're going out of town Thursday. And God said to be right by the, um, I ain't doing it today. No, today. So Thursday I'll do, I'll do that. Planning out when I'm going to get right. Planning out how long I'm going to stay wrong. I'm, I know I'm wrong, but I ain't, I ain't getting right right now. Not right now. You know, he needs to suffer from. She needs to, she needs to know. She had to order, not lie. She needs to just, you know, we want to, we set the time, and then we, we, I'll say when I'm going to stop being wrong. And you come and you hear a message like that, and God said, get it right tonight, and you be like, you know what, I'm going to have to pray on this. Maybe tomorrow when I wake up, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. God, you don't know what I'm dealing with. God's like, yeah, I know exactly what you're dealing with. I, I, you know, I know that seemed right, but you know, that might have just, that might have just been past the hill. I don't know. I don't know if that was God. I don't know. That means I want to last a little longer in my wrong. And you know, we can always justify it when we think, you, you did it, not me. If you wouldn't have did that, we never would have been anything. So you owe me an apology. God said, you're in the wrong. Well, how am I in the wrong, God? You're in the wrong because I'm telling you how to get it right and you are resisting me. Now you're wrong. But what about them? What, what does it matter to you about them? I'm talking to you. 
And whatever I'm talking to them about has nothing to do with you. I'm talking to only you about what you're doing. We always want to know how the other person going to get it. We need to get with that too. You know, it seems like God's always on my case. What about him? God said, no, no. What about you? Because you're the only one I'm dealing with right now. Because I'm not dealing with you about him or her about I'm not doing that. I'm talking to just you. And you're going to tell me when you're going to stop being wrong? Hmm. Now, I'm telling you, especially you married people, we got to stop that. If God speaks to you about what He wants you to do in the marriage, and you, and you say, I'm not doing that today. you restricting God. You're like, no God. You're going to plan out when you're going to be right. No, you can't do that. Are you in Romans chapter 6? The only way that we can get the heart to obey, we have to desire righteousness. I have to desire to please Him. And then let's pick it up right here in verse 15, starting with our new information. Are you in Romans chapter 6, verse 15? What then shall we, shall we sin because... What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know you not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey... His servant, his servant, you are to, wait, let me read that again. Know you not that whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants, ye are to whom you obey. That means you are a servant to whoever you're yielding to. Whatever one you yield to, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness, whichever one, whatever, whoever you yield your servant to, that's who you're gonna serve. That's what you're gonna do. Are you there? Verse 17, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart, from the heart, from the heart, you have obeyed from the heart, not from the mouth. See, we'd be like, okay, but I obeyed. But you did it with such an answer. No. God said, you got to obey from the heart. It has to be a heart issue, not just a, a, something that I'm despairing of in my life. I forgave them. God said, you act like you're mad about it, that you like, you know, God, I can't believe you make me forgive them. But you didn't do that from the heart. Right here he said, you have obeyed from the heart. Remember what God is dealing with us about. But, 17 again, but God be thanked. That ye were the servants of sin, when I was just doing all that wrong, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. When I'm doing what's right from the heart, God now considers me a servant of righteousness. Now, if I do it any other way, you're not uh, doing it as a servant of righteousness. You're doing it because you feel like your arm is twisted to do it, or you're being made to do it. You have to do it from the heart. Are you with me? Now, here's point number one for this evening. 
To have a heart to obey, you write this and you just write it one time. To have a heart to obey, I must learn, you can just write that one time. To have a heart to obey, I must learn, number one, to yield. To yield. Look at verse 16. Know ye not that whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey. Whoever you yield to. Listen, you, I have to learn to yield. A heart to obey is a yielded heart. You have to do the hard, unseen work of becoming yielded. Now I have to be yielded to the Word of God. Because it tells me here in, in 16 that whoever I'm yielding my servant to, that's the one I'm going to obey. And God is saying, yield to my Word. Write it down. To be yielded means that I am ready to hear and do. See, not just hear. When I'm yielded, I'm ready to hear and do. Yielded also means I'm standing by for instructions. There's a difference. That's what yielded means. That I'm ready to hear and do and I'm standing by for instructions. Hmm. See, tonight I believe, see that's why I love the Sunday night crowd. See, you're standing by for instructions. I'm waiting to hear, and once I hear, I'm ready to do. Not to question. Not to question. Not to argue. Not to complain. Not to justify. But once I hear, I'm going to do. Talking about being yielded. That's what it means to be yielded. I'm ready to hear, do, without questioning, without arguing, without complaining, without murmuring. I'm just going to do. See, here's the thing. All of us, everybody say all of us, have areas where we naturally yield. See, all of us have that. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> See, we like, well, I yeah, because I yielded it. Well, all of us have that. God is dealing with you in the areas that you won't yield. See, because I don't want you to think, oh, because I am you. Mm -mm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those areas that we are naturally inclined to not yield to. That's what God is talking about. See, there's no need to praise yourself for areas that you're yielded in or where you, you know, where you're doing all right in. Well, see, because I yielded this. Um, I'm, I'm talking about those areas that when you hear, you're not, you're not ready to do. That, those areas. When God tells you something or you hear something, but I'm not quite ready to do that yet. See, oftentimes and most of the time, we are ready to yield when we can see the benefit for ourselves only. But when it's outside of that, now there's a hesitation. It's easy to naturally yield to what's going to benefit you. That's common. But when it doesn't benefit, you know, see, a benefit for God or for others is what he's talking about. How do you yield for that? Sometimes we're not as yielded when it's not about us. Sometimes we're not so ready to go when it's about God and someone else and some, somebody else that he's dealing with. 
Like, well, wait a minute now. Yielded also means, write this down, it means being present and available. Mm. Yielded means to be present, that means to be here and be available. Because, see, you can be present and not available. And many in churches, and even in this church, exactly that. I'm present, but I'm not available. Many of you are that way. We're all in here at church tonight. But how many are available? We're talking about yielded. How many are in here available to yield to what God is saying? That's the question. Don't answer it. You're, you're present. You got that part. But see, again, we're not trying to get close. You got to hit the mark. You got to hit the mark. So, yeah, you're present, but are you available? Now, this is one thing that I know. It's interesting to me that, you know, that many people have calls on their life. In this ministry, they got calls on their life. They, they, you know, they play around with it. Don't play around with a call. You, you, oh, just don't do it. But many people have calls on their lives, and some won't even yield to acknowledge it. They won't even yield to acknowledge that God has called them. That's sad. That's dangerous. Now, now, see, because see, it's all different kinds that's made up in the congregation. You have those types that won't even acknowledge that God has called me. Then you have some that are yield and acknowledge God has called them, but they won't yield to what He's asking them to do. To prepare. God will say, okay, now I want you to do this, that, and the other. I want you to... But, uh, you know, yeah, I, I do have a calling. I acknowledge that. But now, when God is asking me to do something, that's totally different. Then we have some that are yielded and say, yeah, I acknowledge. And they will even prepare. But they'll only prepare to a level of the assignment that they desire to do. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, God has called me and I'm, I'm getting into this, but I, now I don't want to go out and, I, I ain't going out and minister to nobody. That's not, you know, that ain't my calling. See, now I'm, 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 I'm I acknowledge I'm called, but I ain't, I, I don't ask me to go out witnessing. Oh, no, 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 I can't, no, I'm not going back there with the children. That's not for me. I mean, I need to talk to these adults. Go, what God is facing with me is for these grown people. I'm, I can't be dealing with no children. See, right around, it's, it's a, it has to be what, you know, my, what I want to do. My limits. This is the limit of what I'm going to do, God. You know, I don't know, because I don't know going out witnessing. I don't know if people are going to be receptive or not. And I am, you know, I don't even know if it's a safe deal to do. I, I, I'm just not into that. But I'm called. And I'm yielded, but to your own requirements. But anything beyond your requirements, you will not be willing to yield to do. Like, oh no, 
I can't believe it. I mean, how are they going to just use me? I'm a great teacher. How are you? God is dealing with me about this and God is showing me. I, I need to express this. They need to know what God has given me. Okay. But God, I can't yield to nothing else. See, you're only hearing to a point. Not good for this ministry or any ministry. You're not good for the body of Christ if you're going to put God and limit Him what He's going to do because you're going to do your thing. You have requirements. And you're saying, God, anything beyond this point, I'm not really ready to hear and I'm not going to do that. That's what you're really saying. You don't say it just flat out like that, but that your actions, that's what it shows. I'm right here. I said we have to do the hard, unseen work. See, that's, the, that's what God is dealing with down on the inside of you. You know, we love to say, God, yes, God, yes, to your will and to your way. Just remember, that's a song. Oh, yes, God. Mm-hmm. And God said, okay, I want you to be the next ministry head in this area. Oh, oh, wait a minute now. What days is that on? Because that might be a little conflict with my schedule. Little conflict with my schedule right there. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can yield to that level because I know that uh, people that are ministry here they kind of do extra stuff, don't they? Now watch this. I have to learn to yield to my will. I have to learn to yield to my will. You have a will in all of us at some level are strong-willed. I'm going to tell you that now. You're not weak. you got a strong will. Now, all of us may not have the same strong will about the same thing, but all of us in here in an area where you, you know, where you are being pushed for, you know, you, you got a will, a strong one. When you're being pushed, and you are not letting them push you where you don't want to be pushed. Sometimes people think people that are quiet, they try to, people that are quiet, they try to act like they're not strong. But what I have found out, people that are quiet, people, those people are the strongest of all. You know why? Because not only are they gonna, not going to do anything, but they're not going to respond. That strong will. They're not going to respond. They're just going to look at you. And you'd be like, they just, what? That's a strong will. See, we think, oh, they're quiet. I just got, no, no, that's a strong will. Have you ever seen a child and, 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 you know, you, 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 have you ever seen a child, you know, and you're talking and they're just looking at you? And you just talking and you, you know, and you know, and, and, and they not saying anything. They just looking at you. And they looking at you like, I don't want to get into the conversation. And I'm not going to do anything that you're saying. I'm just going to sit here and look at you. And when you get through talking, they look, they, you know, they're going to do whatever they want to do. And we're children of God. And we do the same thing with God. That's why we need to yield our will. We'll sit there not doing any of that. I'm not. 
So we can be present and avail. You know what? We have to yield our, we gotta yield it. Yield our will so that we can be in the will of God. Yield it. You have to say, stop. Mm-mm. I can be present and available to do His will. I'm bending. I'm like, nope. I'm doing it. Why? Because if I don't learn to yield my will, I will be just, just like the parable of the, that Jesus used. Lord, I got, I got land. I got cattle. I got stuff I need to do. I got a wife. Everybody have one of those mostly. I need one right now to clean my house. I can't, I can't do your will right now, God. In other words, your will, Father, is going to impede on my will, and this is going to be a problem. I hear what you're asking me to do, Lord, and I'm available for for that. Maybe if you just, you know, work around my schedule. And this is this is what gets me. People always want God to work around their schedule. It's not happening. I know. Okay, can we work around my schedule? Can we? You know, I, I you know I really want to do it, but I can't. Maybe if you work around it, you know, I'll be. I'll try. I'll try to swing it. Now, this, now, now, remember, you're not doing it to a person or to a ministry. You're doing that to God, because He's the one that's asking you to do His will. If somebody in authority come and ask you something that God is showing them that they that He wants you to be in or what wants you to do, when you have these kind of excuses, you're not saying that to the person. God will just move on to someone else. You're saying that to God. God, you, if you understood the demands that's on my life, you, you wouldn't ask me this kind of stuff. I could do that, but you know what? Uh uh-uh, uh. Mm-mm. Oh, I want to be ready to do this, but it's just, it's too much. I got too much going on in my life. God, you know what I have going on in my life. And it's important to me to come. I got things that I got planned that I want to, to accomplish as a person. And I got this much time to do it. And if this come in my life right now, oh, it's just going to mess up everything. There, there's a certain place I want to be, God. There's a certain place I want to be in with my goals. You know, I got a wife now, God. I got children now. God, I can't believe you asking me something like this right now. Not right now, God. I got stuff that I need to do. God, I just got that job. The job I've been waiting for. And you're going to come and ask me right now, no, i got to work those days because that's my ideal job I've been praying about. God, come on. I know. What? You're asking me to do that? And i got all of this other stuff to do? i got to get to work. You already know it. I just bought a new car. I just bought a new house. I need to pay the mortgage. i got children. i got all of this going on. And you have, oh, I just met her. And we just going through marital class, and now you're asking me to do this? Come on, God. I've got to win her over, and now you're pulling me away to do this? Oh, God, this is too much. But I have a calling on my life, and God is speaking to me. God, why are you speaking to me about this now? I got so many things that I want to do. 
So many things that I got on my plate right now. And now you God, everything's happening. I got, I got this. I got that. I got bills. I got that. God, I have everything. Why? But I'll tell, I'll tell you this, God. This is what I do. I, in my, I, I've been in my prayer closet. I've talked to God. Pastor, I've talked to God. And you know what? Me and God is coming to agreement. Oh, it tickles me when people always say God coming to agree with me that's farthest from this word as possible. This is what I'll do, God. Let me get through with everything. I don't have nothing but about four more years before I retire. I'll give it all to you then, God. But right now, God, I'll tell you what, 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 what we can do, God, because I love you, God, and I know I want to do your will. But this is what happened. Let me do all of this that I need to do. Let me go on with my family. Let me build my life. Let me get everything settled. Let me enjoy my job. Let me learn and grow in that. Let me do all that. And God, if you happen to just circle back around one day, and now everything is all settled and done, I'll serve you. I'll do exactly what you have. Just give me this time, God. I'll do exactly what you want me to do. If you just, so, uh, just by chance, if you circle around. But don't ask me that. Not now. It's too, it's too, I got plans. I even going into a business deal. I'm even signing off on it. And I'm going to be, they're going to need me where I need to be. Because, you know, I, I've been waiting for this business deal to go through for a while. And what you're asking me going to do, going to have me out to be up at the church. I got to do this. I got to do that. Oh, God, come on. Where's the mercy, God? Where's the grace? Just give me a break. You got to learn to yield your will. Sound like the rich young ruler. I mean, I'm going to get full retirement in about four years and then I'll be ready, God. But right now, I can't do it. Then you must learn to yield your plans. You got to learn to yield your plans. This is the hard unseen work again. Listen, you know why you have to learn to yield your plans? So there will be no conflict in your hearing. See, when you have plans, when I'm teaching like this, or any of the ministers are teaching, there will be conflict in your hearing. Because your plans is in the forefront of your mind. God said, yield those plans... To me, so you can hear correctly. And listen to me, because I want you to know how God is. You're free to make plans. Make as many plans as you want to. It's fine. You can make those plans. You're free to develop those plans. As many plans as you can come up with, God is okay with it. You can fill your whole house with plans. But when you learn to yield your plans, there will never be any conflict with how you hear. Like, you know, all of these are my plans laid out, but you know what, I'm going to hear God clearly because if any of my plans interfere with what God is saying with me, now it stops. I'm going to yield those plans. But see, if that's your most important thing, the center of your focus, you will not hear. That will be a conflict in your hearing. Are you with me? I must learn to yield my members. And I'm not talking about church members, I'm talking about your members. That's your hands, your mouth, your members. Look at verse 13. 
It says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Now watch this. I have to yield my members so that I can be used as an instrument. Listen. An instrument that God can use. Here's the thing that you have to understand, church. Instruments don't play themselves. See, now I want you to contrast it. Instruments do not play themselves. They don't play. I know because of technology and everything, a lot of us have lost sight of what instruments are. But these instruments up here, do you see any of them playing, playing themselves? No. What do they yield? They yield to the musician. Because they, can do, they, they don't play themselves. Remember, God wants to use you as an instrument. We don't see any of them played. None of those instruments are going to be played until a musician get on it. But God said he wants to use you as an instrument. Now they need a musician. Don't you think you need something if you're going to be an instrument? But you have to understand, God is the musician. You are the instrument. You don't play yourself. And you ought to be only used to be you only there to be used by him. You're an instrument waiting. These instruments are waiting for musicians. Because they can do nothing. They can do nothing without a musician. On them nothing. They don't play themselves, they only get played. And see, we get to a point where we think we some type of little music app. See, we know it's an app for everything now. And you get to set all the music. You play the music. Listen, I know, uh, now, you know, uh, you know, I, I can play it the way, no, you can't play it the way you want to. You're not a music app. You have to yield so you can, let me tell you something. And get this, because you might get a second connotation of what I'm saying, but, but, but listen to what I'm saying. And some of you might not like this expression, but, but it is what it is. You have to yield so you can get played. You have to yield so you can get played. Now, listen to me. Watch this. When you, when, when you yielded to sin, you got played. And you were okay with it. You were just fine. You got played. That's how you got addicted to cigarettes. You got marijuana. You play, I mean, drinking, partying, all of those things. You were getting played. Sex outside of marriage. You were being played by sin. And you had no problem with it. You get played all the time by sin. But somehow, that doesn't bother you. But, when God wants to play you, now I'm questioning it. 
But you didn't question the sin. And when sin gets through playing you, he leaves you a broken instrument. You are a broken instrument. Wounded instrument. Damaged instrument. Whether you see it or not, that's what you are. After sin gets through with you, that's what you are. And we didn't seem to mind. But let God say, I want to play you because I'm using you as an instrument of righteousness. And all of a sudden there are questions and arguments and discussions. What? Well, wait a minute. Well, now all of a sudden, you never question anything with all, when sin was playing you. You just dove right in it. You loved it. You, I mean, you did all you could do to let it, I mean, you made sure that sin hit every note. And hit it correctly. You sat there and you wound in it. And guess what? You even went back for more. Play that same tune. When you got caught in bad company, and there you might even have a court date because you got into a bunch of foolish stuff. Sin was playing you then. It'll always play you. You're getting paid. When you was in college and you, you, you used all of your, your tuition and money for going to fraternity parties and going to the clubs and hanging out and all those things. Sin was playing you. And you was enjoying every minute of it. You were running into the dorms and out of the dorms and out of the apartment and just doing your thing. And all the time, sin was playing you. And guess what? You were happy to be played. Oh, we had so much fun. Oh, it was just so enjoyable. Oh, we did that. Happy to be played. Brother Cute smiled at you. Oh, he's so fine. Sister Short Skirts grinned at you, waved at you. Oh, Lord, she is really fine. Sin just in, just, I mean, just like a heart. Just playing you. And you just, oh, Lord, that, oh, Lord, no, she didn't, she looked good. Oh, dear, all of that, all of that, you had no problem being played. You had no problem when he said, oh, it's all right, I love you, I love you forever. I love you to the end of time. You opened your heart and your legs. Let's be real. I'm never going to leave you. Played. And all of a sudden, God gives us some instru- instructions. God said, like tonight, He gives you instructions to yield that. And then, why you, then what you say, why God trying to play me? No, we got questions when it's God's time. But you never question none of the foolishness that you were in. When sin was playing you, and still playing you, you don't have one question. But let God give you a little instruction, and you want to know, I don't know if I can do that. This is really going to be hard. No, no, uh uh-uh. The Bible said, uh, told us what hard was. Transgression. (laughs) That's hard. But you just let it play you and stream you along. But God said, I want to play you. Hmm. And all of a sudden you real sensitized to 
you know, when God wanted to, now you real sensitive to what? What do we want to do? Well, you weren't saying none of that. Now you're sensitized to being played. Well, wait a minute. You weren't sensitized to being used when he was killing you. We let sin use us all day long. But with God, we have a question if he want to use us for an hour. know how that's going to work out. Yeah. It's called the hard unseen work that you have to deal with. To have a heart to obey, number two, I must learn to be a servant. I have to yield first. First you have to yield and have a heart to obey. A heart to obey is a servant's heart. That's a servant's heart. Now, there's hard, unseen work of becoming a servant. And see, this is, what, this is what gets me. People admire servants. They can admire servants. They just don't want to be one. I don't know how many times since the passing of our founding pastor, I don't know how many times and how many people have come up to me and said, Sister Hill, I see, I, I see your strength. I see you going on. I see you and your sons. Y'all all getting where it need to be. I see Isaiah rising up. Oh, and go. Isaac's a blessing. I see all of that. I see that y'all pushing forward. And I see that y'all working hard to get the ministry over. I just love it. And I, I'm just so greatly encouraged by just watching you all. And this is just so exciting. And now I'm going to the spa. Because it ain't, I'm, I, it ain't I, I'm not trying to be the servant. I just admire you being one. I'm on my way to the spa. Oh, I see. I, I love it. I love it. I tell you, you all are something else. It's just, just a joy to watch. Just a joy to see. We're going on a two-week vacation. and just. I love to admire a servant, but don't ask me to be one. I like that you spend your hours and y'all do that, but don't ask me. Now we're going too far. Are you following me? And then you, I'm praying for you. Going to get a massage though right now. Just don't ask me to get into it. I appreciate you. So I'm just telling you things that I've heard. I appreciate you so much and I'm watching you. I'm watching y'all come out. I'm, I'm watching the other ministers. It's just a blessing everything. I mean, our church is just still on point. I'm loving it. And you know what? I was in a position, but you know what? I got a new position at church and everything. I mean, at my job and everything. And I'm going to have to take a leave of absence from my position at this time because I have this to do. But thank God y'all keeping it going. Thank God y'all keeping it going. You know how ministry heads get chosen for me? And people see it too? You choose people that are faithful and that are always here. 
And then it's amazing because when you see people that are faithful and that are always on point and you let them, you allow them to be ministry head, then they find out about people that they were ministry head and they was like, I can't even get people to come to the meeting now. And I, but when I was ministry, that's why you were ministry head. Now you see, like, I can't even get, yeah, you were the only one coming on time. You were the faithful one. I don't choose people because of friendship. Let me tell you, my friendship is just that. And that's where it ends. When it comes to ministry, and then we have to have a heart to obey because I must learn to be a servant. I told you all the servant, right? Okay, so people, they, they admire servants, but they don't want to be one. That's, that's the sad part. Listen. My relationship with God is not for the advancement of my will. It is for the advancement of His will. Know that. That's the, you know, that's something you need to take up. My, my whole relationship with God is to advance His will, not mine. I gotta put mine down. It's not to advance my will. It's to advance His will. And listen, God is not your servant. God is not your servant. And let me show you why I know now, not necessarily this church, but it could be in this church, but church worldwide. I'm going to prove to you tonight why I know without a shadow of a doubt that the body of Christ is a long way off from having God's heart. Because we treat God as our servant. As opposed to realizing that we are the servant. Are you following me? I'm going to prove it out. Now, I don't know if some of you watch. Now, I love, I, I just saw the movie Downton Abbey, and I followed that whole deal. But how many of you have watched movies before, and, and people had servants, and you know, and they had, the, and they, they made. I have noticed, have you noticed, that the servant never asked the master. Never asked the master for anything. Why? Because the, those servants that live in the house, they already know that the master takes care of the house. So they never ask him, they never ask him for anything. And I'm just talking about naturally. If you look at any deal, you'll find servants do not ask the master for anything. They serve. The body of Christ have it backwards. The master knows that his servants are in the house. He's going to take care of it. If you watch Downton Abbey, if you've ever seen where servants live at the house, everything that the servants need is at their house. they got a bedroom. they got a bathroom. they got everything taken care of. They eat. They might eat in a certain place, but they got food. they got everything. The master takes care of the house. And you never see the servant ask the master for anything. They are, the master tells them what he wants. And they deliver. But the body of Christ, we act like God is our servant. Do this, God. You get my children back to me, God. I'll thank you, Lord God, that right now you go by the hospital and you do this, God. And you do that to the master. 
as if God don't know how to take care of His house. I gotta pray. I'm gonna ask God this time. Never go and just pray just thanking Him that He's the master because we have a whole different revelation of what a master and a servant is. Uh, let me tell you, for the body of Christ at home, we have God as our servant. We spend all of our time telling him what to do and what we need. And this is how far away we are. God do this. God do that. My prime, I spend all my prayer time asking him what we are, you know, what are you, what are we going to do about this God? God open this door. God open that. Just serve me, God. Just serve me. And then the master asks you one little bitty thing. You question it. But it's not so in a master's house. Now, in naturally speaking, if the, ma- if the servant cannot answer what the master does, they're getting another servant. You move it out. Whether you're a footman, a butler, or whatever, you answer what the master wants. When they ring that bell, they have all the bells sitting down there. All of the bells along the wall. And when they ring that for room number one, that's the master's wife, you go there. You do not. And everybody don't go there. Certain ones go there. And you don't come, you come in trying to see what they want. Cause it's the master's house. None of us try to see what God wants. And if he tells you what he wants, like he's telling you tonight, we got a problem. You better hope he don't send you on. You don't want that. See, we don't pray the way Jesus said pray. Father, thy will be done. We don't pray that. On earth as it is in heaven. We don't do that. In other words, when I say your will be done, God, on earth as it is in heaven, what I'm saying is I'm standing waiting for you to tell me what to do. (laughs) That's what you're saying. I'm coming to you in prayer, letting you know that I'm yielded and I'm a servant. And whatever you need me to do to advance your will, I'm available to you because I'm your servant, God. You're not mine. I'm a servant in your house. I already know I don't have to ask. I already know I don't have to ask you for anything. Because the master's house is always taken care of. He always provides for his servants in the house. How do you think that Pastor Hill and me have gotten on all these years? Certainly wasn't because of you. But the, the master always takes care of his servants in the house. We need to get the revelation of that. And start doing thy will, Lord. Not mine. We're so scared that God's will is not going to be what we want for our children, for ourselves, for this. Let his will be done. The master knows what to do. Our God, I'm not coming to you asking you to do something for me. Why? Because I'm a servant in your house. I'm standing here letting you know that I'm a servant. And whatever you want me to do, whatever you ask me to do, I will serve your will. That's what a servant do.
serve your agenda, God, not mine. Because I'm a servant. You know why? Because this is voluntary servitude. Oh my goodness, how far off is the church? How far off is the church from that? And some of you are in here and church worldwide are telling God, I'm not going to do nothing until you do what I ask you to do, God. You have not, I, I, I will not serve you that way. You haven't healed me yet. You haven't brought my children out of bondage yet. You haven't given me that job. I can't do it right now. I can't be for real. I can't be sold out to you, God, until first you do that. I would serve you, God, but I don't have the income that I want. I got to still hustle. I got to get out there. I've been claiming it. Pastor, what can I do? Well, just show up and volunteer. Just show up and do something. Clean the toilet. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, see, there it is. Just show up and volunteer. When we come out of the world, one of the things that we, we must learn is we first need to rid ourselves of our selfish mentality. Because God say, okay, I want you to do this. It's not always about you. Letter A, I have to learn to serve those who are in need. Oof, let me push. I have to serve those who are in need. In other words, I have to do the hard, unseen work of serving those who need help. As opposed to those who can help me. See, it's easy to help people that you think can help you. But God's will is that the church would, would come into a lower state that our service would be geared to those who can't do anything for us because we want to do something for them. They don't have to do anything for us because of what God has already done for you. You don't need that. I'm not doing something for you because I can get something back. Letter B, I must learn to serve in his house. Listen, there's nothing wrong with social programs, community programs, neighborhood programs. But I have learned a lot of the times when we do all that, it's because we don't want to do what God said do. So we leave it to the world to do it. We don't want to work in the house of God. All we want to do is the feel good thing. But it's some things that's not going to feel good. Let us see. I must learn to serve with a heart of compassion. This is to be touched with the feelings of others' infirmities. To have sympathy and hurts for another person. You have to have that. You've got to be sensitized to those things. That's a servant. I see that you're hurting. I hurt too. I see you're sad. I'm sad too. Let me help. Let me find. Let, you know, it's, it, I, I feel weighed down because you're weighed down. So let's get up. Number three, I must learn to have the proper attitude 
of a heart to obey, does the same attitude that a heart to obey have. That's what we have to have. With the proper attitude. Not only do I have to have the same attitude, a good attitude, but it has to be the proper attitude. I have to do the hard work. It's down in there. How many of you know that you can obey with the wrong attitude? I've seen it. You can obey with the wrong attitude. You have to get your attitude of being a yielded servant right. That's why he said you have to obey from the heart. He's talking about the attitude. You did it. You have to do it with the right heart. Obey from the heart, not from the mouth. Listen, write it down. I have to learn to obey without being constrained. Without being constrained. In other words, God should not have to pin us down. Every time he wants to get something done, basically I'm, you know, you need to say, God, I want to do what you want me to do. Willingly. You don't have to pin me down. You don't have to make me. You don't have to, you don't have to, people don't have to keep talking to me about it. I don't have to, that, 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 all of that's constrained. No. That's the hard unseen work you got to deal with. Because God will ask you to do things that you don't want to do. And if you haven't done the, uh, the hard, unseen work, it would be hard for you to obey. It's going to be hard for you to obey those instructions willingly because you haven't dealt with the hard, that thing. You haven't dealt with it. Because let me tell you, God is not going to always ask you to do things that you want to do or that you even like to do. But you're doing His will for His purpose. It's not about you. Oh, if we only get it. Letter B. I must learn to value sound doctrine. This is how you get your attitude right, right here. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 4 that the time is coming where people won't endure sound doctrine. But they'll heap on themselves teachers having itching ears. They will run to whatever is convenient and whatever sounds good and whatever makes them feel good. That's what I want us to stay away from. You got to have the sound doctrine. Our pastor have put it in us over all those years. Sound doctrine. And you have to value that. Don't let it get away from you. That's where you build your whole platform on. Sound doctrine. In, o- in other words, obedience to sound doctrine is good for me. Obedience to sound doctrine is good for me. And I'm going to obey it. It's going to take some hard, unseen work. Letter C, to appreciate the freedom of obedience. Now, that just sounds insensible, don't it? That I have to learn to appreciate the freedom of obedience. You know why that sounds kind of funny? Because we think obedience binds us. And no, it frees us. It frees us. And I got to learn how to appreciate freedom. Because sin is what binds us. Not obedience. Obedience frees us. Obedience righteousness frees us. So I have to learn to appreciate when I obey God. 
I appreciate that. And when I obey God, He is not trying to, He's not trying me. He wants you to obey. He's freeing you to be who He's created you to be. Whenever you obey, He's freeing you. He's freeing you where sin has captured you. There's a freedom in the will of God. And there's bondage outside of the will of God. And i got to learn to act and obey God. There is freedom in that. Why? Because I'm no longer being played by the world. Once you start learning to obey God and walk according to His will, you are no longer being played by sin in the world. Now I'm free to be who God has called me to be. And I'm out of time, and I've been out of time, but still, you got it. Now, that's the only way you're going to be free to do the will of God. Everything that we talked about tonight, you got to, you, now you got to go home and practice that. Again, I'm not going to preach this until you get it. You got to work on it. You got to work on it. And continue to work on it. You got to say, God, I see it. I see what you're saying. And I got to move. I got to make sure my heart is changed. So I can learn how to minister. So I can learn how to do your will. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.